There are three passages I'm going to reference uh, this week and next week. Two of them I'll, I'll just reference now and then we'll read the third. One of them that I think is important as we consider uh, the question, what is a sacrament, is uh, Matthew 28, of course, where we see the, the definition of, of how we're to think about and how the pastor is to administer baptism in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, the, the other passage then is 1 Corinthians uh, 11, which you usually hear me read the mornings that we have communion, but I don't know where my brain was at this morning. I didn't read it this one time. I almost always read it, but those words about uh, this, uh, Christ, of course, says this do in remembrance of me, and Paul says, by doing this, we're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. Um, but then, then this is the main passage I want us to consider uh, this week and next week. Exodus 20, 22 through 26. Uh, this is after the Ten Commandments have been given. Um, and why don't I actually read from verse 18 on. So Exodus chapter 20, right after the Ten Commandments, we read in verse 18, this is the word of God. Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, You speak with us, and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. And, the peop- and Moses said to the people, Do not fear, the Lord has come to test you and that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. Then the Lord said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, You have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. You shall not make anything to be with me, gods of silver or gods of gold. You shall not make for yourselves. An altar of earth you shall make for me, and you shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where I record my name, I will come to you, and I will bless you. And if you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it of hewn stone, for if you use your tool on it, you have profaned it. Nor shall you go up by steps to my altar, that your nakedness may not be exposed. This is the word of our God. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this, your word. We pray for not just ears to hear, but eyes to, to see and hearts and minds to understand uh, that we might know what it is you would teach us from this, your word. And how better to think about the means you have given us of your grace. And so we pray that you would powerfully work within our hearts and minds tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to spend uh, two weeks thinking about what is a sacrament. Before we get to how do we do the sacraments, right? we, We often can jump into those types of questions. We have all of our debates about those two sacraments. 
but often we don't stop to think about what a sacrament even is beforehand. And that's what I want to spend this week and next week thinking about more generally before we think about baptism and uh, before we talk about the Lord's Supper and I don't know where we'll be in our yearly timeline by the time we get through one or the other of those. But I want to think about sacraments together. I think it's a a very important topic for us to think about uh, because of the the lack of understanding about what a sacrament is, I think, in the evangelical church in America. I feel like I've been starting all my sermons off recently in the evening with thinking about where the church is at, but I think that's, that's important. We've left confessions and creeds that were written by godly people long ago who studied the scriptures and who uh, over hundreds of years agreed This is what the scriptures teach. And we've shoved those things to the side and said, no, no, no. We don't need to know what anyone else has thought. We'll just read the Bible, me and Jesus, and come up with all the answers. And what a crazy thought. We've come up with a lot of bad answers. And so if if we want to think not about what is it that the Westminster Shorter Catechism says, but what is it that the history of the church has said because they were studying the scriptures... And then we can evaluate whether they got it right or wrong. But starting with uh, the thought, what does the scripture teach? We, we need to ask questions like, what even is a sacrament? Uh, a number of years ago, I, I was listening to a musician, uh, a musician I, I, rather, I rather like for the most part. Um, and I was really enjoying a song. Uh, it was a, a song about the encouragement of the people of God and, and worshiping with the people of God and what it means to be one body and to represent Christ to each other. But then right towards the end of the song, there was some statement about you are a sacrament. Meaning you, people of God, are a sacrament to me. I thought, well, wait wait a second. I, I don't recall that. The fellowship of the saints is a blessing from God. And in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, we have fellowship with each other, and that is visually seen, but is fellowship a sacrament? If it is, how are we defining that thought of sacrament? And as I I thought about that a number of years ago, and I've thought about it since, it, it seems very clear to me that in the modern, even in Reformed circles, in the modern church, uh, we've made sacrament basically mean uh, the the words came to me this afternoon so i scribbled them on my hand i washed my hand but i can still sort of make them out here this this is it this is my summary of the the modern church's definition of sacrament symbolic spirituality anything that is symbolic in terms of some in terms of spirituality Anything that could depict Christ. So if I am living in a Christ-like manner for the sake of the gospel, which I hope we can all agree is what the New Testament calls on me to do and on you to do, then I can call myself a sacrament. Or at least what is a slightly better term, uh, uh, sacramental living. That, that's more popular. That's not quite as bad as straight up calling myself a sacrament. 
but both are of this idea that just because it's symbolic and it's spiritual, therefore it is a sacrament. Um, and then all sorts of things become a sacrament. In, in fact, ironically, in the church of our day, we love talking about sacramental living. We love talking about sacramental things. Uh, and yet, uh, the Lord's Supper and baptism are at an all-time low in terms of how the church views them. You know, but baptism, it, when you leave the debates where we get in fights aside, it is very little thought about even by people who have uh, in, in undergone, I hope that's the right positive word, uh, it, it enjoyed receiving baptism, and yet we barely think of it for the rest of our lives, right? Uh, and so we invent these other things that are symbolic and sacramental to, to do. The Lord's Supper. Some churches practice it once a year, four times a year, every other month. Uh, and I'm not saying they're sinning by doing that, but isn't it strange? We, we want to make it less frequent, and then we want other things. And so Christians start practicing uh, a man-made example, Lent, invented by the Catholic Church. No evidence of it in the Bible. He gives us a supper to celebrate and eat. Then we say, well, we want to kind of cram that over into the corner, but we want to give all this time to not eating. That strikes me as odd, but, but there's also other reasons why it doesn't quite fit the idea of a sacrament. Uh, we, we could come up with other examples as well, by the way. Um, probably the, the best example of people wanting to integrate something in evangelicalism as a sacrament today uh, it is foot washing. And I, I will say, it is, of all the things that people argue, it's at least from Scripture, it is commanded, however you understand that passage, whether it's literal or symbolic that's being commanded there, that's, that's open for discussion. Um, so, so it seems, at first glance, like maybe that would fit. Why don't we have three? Foot washing, baptism, Lord's Supper. Uh, hopefully we'll understand... Uh, the distinction after this week and next week between uh, foot washing and baptism and the Lord's Supper. But the, it, all of this to simply say, we need to step back and think, what are the things that are uh, biblically in mind with the idea of a sacrament? Another thing that makes this a difficult question for us is that the word sacrament comes from a Latin word, and the Latin word isn't even a derivative of something that we find in the Bible. So, so it isn't technically a, a biblical word, right? It's not something that we find Paul using, and so we have to use that word. But the church has used that word since its earliest days. And it has used that word to try to help categorize certain things that we find in Scripture that all have certain things in common. Um, then in the Middle Ages, the Catholic Church started adding on their extra sacraments and redefining the word. And then after the Reformation, we've, as I've already said, started ignoring what the definition of sacrament is and creating anything that is uh, symbolic spirituality. And so uh, we've run into a problem. But even though the word doesn't appear in Scripture, 
uh, there are certain things I think that we can say are tied to the, the idea of what the early church meant with the word sacrament and what actually uh, is something we find in scripture in the New Testament only true of baptism and the Lord's Supper. So I, I have five points I want to make about what a sacrament is, and I, I don't want to give you them all tonight. In fact, the best two you have to come back for next week. But let's start with three of them tonight. And as we think about uh, what a sacrament is, in my opinion, if I had to pick just one text in Scripture that gave us kind of the, the nuts and bolts of what we need to think about in terms of a sacrament, I would, uh, I would say more and more, I think Exodus 20, 22 through 26 is the place to look. Uh, which is funny because none of our sacraments are actually in this passage. And in fact, uh, only vaguely are the Old Testament sacraments in this passage. And yet, God is setting up a, a thought that will help us understand and define uh, the sacraments as a whole. In these verses, in Exodus 20, uh, Moses comes from the Lord and says to the children of Israel, in essence, you've been seeing a lot of me lately. A lot of fire and a lot of thunder. A mountain literally on fire. <laughs> I don't think any of us can get our minds around what Sinai must have looked like. When you read Hebrews, it's so extreme the way it talks about how that thunder and lightning and fire, I don't think we can get our brains around it. Maybe, maybe in glory, we will say, oh, Sinai must have been a little bit, a little bit like this. But for us, I don't think we can get our brains around it now. And so one of the things God is doing here in these verses in Exodus 20 is saying to the people of Israel, you're about to enter the promised land. And guess what? You're not going to have a fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. God didn't do that. He didn't for the thousand of years that Israel was in the promised land before uh, being taken into captivity, God didn't just travel circuit ride around the tribes of Israel as a pillar so that they could see him. He didn't appear on a regular basis in fiery uh, bushes or fiery mountains. He didn't, as hard as this is for us to grasp, he didn't speak to individuals out loud or through dreams on a daily basis. The, the events we see in the Old Testament tend to be right around the birth of, of people he's sending to save his people, right? So women who are about to have a miraculous God-given birth. Uh, or uh, w women, all births are, of course, God-given, so that was a weird sentence. But you know what I mean. The, these, these miraculous moments, these, these special, unique instances. Um, or they're to prophets, priests, and kings who are leading the people. The average Israelite didn't receive personal revelation on a regular basis. They had to do what you have to do. They had to go to worship on the Sabbath day, hear the Levites preaching the word, and enjoy the sacraments that were given to them, uh, many of which we could put in a broad category of the sacrifices. Those, those were sacraments that were given to them in the Old Testament. Uh, and so 
That's how they had to live. And imagine seeing a mountain on fire and then attending worship that was a lot more like ours. What's your temptation going to be? Well, we have to make something we can see. Make something that will move our emotions. We need something, maybe some symbolic spirituality that will really rev us up and make our worship exciting. Uh, Keep my attention lest I wander from my faith. And that is what God is addressing here. He says, you have seen that I have talked to you from heaven. That's awesome. You shall not make anything to be with me. No images. He's already said this, of course, in the second commandment, but he says it again quite clearly here. In fact, he even says this. When you build an altar on which the sacrament is going to be enjoyed, right? So the altar isn't the sacrament. The altar is what the sacrifice will be on, and the sacrifice is the symbolic thing that God has given. It's the sacrament that points to Christ. But when you build an altar, just heap up dirt. That's what the text says. Make a pile of dirt and then do the sacrifice. You couldn't make a more boring, mundane, and simple altar. Heap up dirt and do the sacrifice. And then he even qualifies, if you do one of stone, which there were times they did. If you do one of stone, just throw the stones on top of each other and do the sacrifice. No chisel, no hammer, no tool. Now, we, we should make a distinction here. When the temple was built, they did that. Well, we, we find and we found when we studied Samuel that Solomon had the blueprints that David had, had drawn up. And he was following them to the letter. And apparently God approved divinely of David's blueprints. So this text does not condemn Solomon's temple. But apart from that apparently God uh, divinely approved chiseling, the rest of the time just throw stones on top of each other. No chisel. And we say, well, that seems like a strange thing to say that you have profaned it just by using a tool. That's just a useful thing, a tool. But why is God forbidding that? Well, archaeology has shown us why. Because in the promised land, we have found pretty much nothing. I say, I say promised land. In, in that part of the world, in the land that was once called Canaan, we have found pretty much no altars that are uniquely Yahweh worship altars. How would we know? It's just dirt piled up and rocks piled up. But we found a lot of Baal altars, a lot of Asherah-type altars in that part of the world from that time. And we know it's those because on those altars, they, with chisels, created... By the way, here are coloring pages for the kids, if any of them would like one. I'll just throw them down there. Sorry about that. Thank you, Jackson. Um, we, we know who they were worshiping because they would have creation accounts or redemption, redemption, if you can call it that, from a pagan false god stories. They, they had, in other words, images 
of the God doing things. And so what, why is God so against any chisel whatsoever in the worship of him? Because unlike those pagan gods, we don't get to invent the, the visual side of worship. That's his call. And he's told us, even though you saw me in the fire and heard my voice, you're going to get into the promised land. You're going to be tempted to be like all the pagans and create something else visible since I'm no longer at Mount Sinai with you. And you're not supposed to do it. The visible thing's already been given. The animal with its blood on the altar. Don't make the altar look fancy and stop looking at the bloody sacrifice. Because the sacrifice is the way in which you will be drawn to me. So God is making something very clear here. We're not to invent new, or they weren't, let's make it past tense, they weren't to invent these things. Uh, Additionally, there's that weird verse for us, 26, where um, you shall not go up by steps to my altar that your nakedness may not be exposed. What in the world is that sentence? Have you ever felt that way? What is this sentence? But when we, I think one way you can think about it is to go and read the account at Mount Carmel of the false prophets of Baal, how they apparently stripped down in clothing to almost nothing or, or nothing and performed rituals in their worship. And including doing things to their bodies. Or, as we know from the the harlotry of Baal and Asherah worship, did things with their bodies. And so God is saying, don't add on rituals. It's going to draw you into a pagan type of worship. Not interested in that. Keep it simple. That's God's word here. Keep it simple. Just focus on what I've told you to do. Well, what does all this have to do with the sacrament? Other than I keep saying that the sacrifices were an Old Testament sacrament, there's an amazing sentence here in verse 24. In every place where I record my name, I will come to you and I will bless you. Uh, ESV and New American Standard have that translated a little differently. And I I find that I've deleted it (laughs) from my notes here. So... Well, where's my ESV? How does ESV do the last part of verse 24? In every place onward. In every place where I cause my name to be remembered, I will come to you So cause my name to be remembered. New King James, it's where I record my name. Uh, record makes us think of the word, doesn't it? And that could be what he's saying. In my word, I will come to you. He says that other places in scripture. But the ESV and New American Standard also are doing a literal translation there. And the idea of every place where I cause my name to be remembered. And that's going to be an important sentence in thinking through what is a sacrament. And we're going to get to that in part next week. But let's let's start now then with um, our first three comments. Having thought a little bit about this text, our first three brief comments about what a sacrament is. First, a sacrament is something directly instituted by God. It's something directly instituted by God. In, In other words, from the early church on, when this was used, it was supposed to be something that God established 
not something that we make up that is symbolic. And we see this in our very text here. This is what we've been looking at, right? Where God, God says, don't do all these things. Do the sacrifice I told you to do. And with that specific thought, in the place where I re- cause my name to be remembered. So God is establishing something. Let me ask you, when we think of God causing his name to be remembered, have that thought in your head as you hear baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. In baptism, God has caused his name, the Trinitarian name, to be remembered. That's part of the idea of a sacrament. It's instituted directly here by Jesus in the New Testament, both baptism and the Lord's Supper. And it's a thing in which he has caused his name to be remembered. And we can say the same exact thing about the Lord's Supper, can't we? Do this in remembrance of me. He's placed his name there. And of course, when we think of the name of Christ, we have to think about the life, the ministry, the action of Christ as well. There is the person of Christ and there's his work. And the two things must uh, always be considered together. In the sacrament they are. He's placed his name there. Do this in remembrance of me. And what does 1 Corinthians say? We proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. He's put his name there to be remembered. So a sacrament is something directly instituted by God. Um, And I guess I'm adding in a point here, tangentially. And it's what I've just been saying. And that is, it's directly instituted by God in the New Testament, directly instituted by Christ. And it's something that directly points us to Christ. That's important as well, because some of these symbolic uh, spirituality things that we have in the modern church don't point us to Christ. They point us to ourselves or to other things. So a sacrament historically, and I believe biblically, is something directly instituted by God And that points us to God and Christ. His name is remembered there. Uh, And then next, a sacrament is a a ordinance or or, uh, a sacrament to be observed until the end of that age. So in the Old Testament, the sacraments given by God were to be observed by the Israelites until Jesus came and died. Passover. Well, you know, Passover wasn't observed, but it was supposed to have been. Almost all of the kings failed in this. We get to Hezekiah and Josiah and we read that they observed the Passover better than anyone all the way back to Joshua. Where was David in there? Where was Solomon? It wasn't being observed the way it should have been, but it was supposed to have been until Christ came. Of course, to celebrate the Passover now is wrong because the Passover looked ahead to the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world, but we see him clearly portrayed as crucified in preaching and in the word, Galatians 3.1. 
And so it's a, it was perpetual until Christ came, Old Testament sacri- sacraments. New Testament sacraments, how long do we keep doing those? Until he comes again, right? Think of Matthew 28 once again. I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Baptism, the Lord places his name on us. He causes his name to be remembered. And we are to keep baptizing. And his name is to continue being remembered in that baptism until the end of the age when he returns. There won't be any baptisms in heaven. It won't be needed in heaven. Not that... Not that it'll be forgotten that we had been baptized. I'm not saying the idea of baptism wiped out. It just won't be continued. It won't be needed. It looks ahead. It drives us to Christ until we see him face to face. The Lord's Supper also. Again, we proclaim the Lord's death. How long? Until he comes again. And then finally tonight, um, a sacrament is for Christ's church. A sacrament is for, we, we could qualify that a little bit more, for the visible church of Jesus Christ. The saints in heaven don't need the sacraments anymore. But we need the sacraments as the visible church. And we're going to talk a little bit about how the sacraments serve the visible church and and then the qualification of how they benefit the true believer but first we have to set up that standard that there is sometimes a distinction isn't there the visible church is all those who have made a profession of faith and their children if you're reformed baptist you say just those who have made the profession of faith okay we're leaving that all aside for the night Uh, But the visible church is those who have made a profession of faith. But, you know, some have made a profession of faith and been baptized and eaten the Lord's Supper with no spiritual benefit. Simon Magus in Acts chapter uh, 8 is a man whom apparently the apostles personally baptized. He made a profession and they believed him. And then later, Peter says that he never really had grace at all. So there's the visible church into which we come through baptism. That's what we see in Acts 2. They're baptized and added to the number of the church, the visible church. The visible church includes true believers, and it includes hypocrites. And it has in every age, and it has in every congregation. Simple reality, and we... We can't read the heart. There are probably people whom we have known, or someone in this room probably has known someone whom they would say right now, definitely that person's a believer in heaven. And whom we might get to heaven and find out had been a hypocrite all along. We cannot read the heart. The church is made up of true believers and possible church to set aside as... Uh, distinct from the world even though we know some whom we see set apart and distinct from the world through baptism some who participate in the Lord's Supper have never truly known Christ at all but it makes that visible distinction 
between the world and God's people. And they are benefits for God's people. Given to the disciples. Um, So I'm going to have a stop there for tonight. And I know that that just feels jagged, doesn't it? Where is the happy application? Um, But we'll, we'll get to the sign and seal aspect of a sacrament, Lord willing, next week. And that will be quite happy application for us. But just thinking about this much so far, a sacrament, God gives them to us. Now, if we can get past thinking, well, I could come up with a great uh, symbolic spiritual uh, event for our church. If we can get past ourselves, I think we realize that when God gives us a symbolic thing to drive us, draw us to himself, that's an amazing thing. That's God condescending to us and saying, I know your weakness and I know the world you're in and I know the pagan pull that is in your own heart and I am giving you this. On this I place my name so that you might remember me, so that you might be assured in days of trial so that the word which you hear might have this support it to encourage you. It's an amazing thing that God has given us sacraments. It's also a wonderful thing that in those sacraments, God has placed in his name to be remembered on us. What a thought. And we'll come back to that more next week. But it's also a wonderful thing that through the sacraments and Sacraments given to the visible church, even though there are false professors in the church, we are given that visual encouragement of the spiritual reality. How do you become part of the visible church? Through baptism and its washing ritual. How do we become partakers of Christ, what we could call the true church? by the washing of regeneration by the Holy Spirit. The visible thing he has given, the visible church, can encourage our hearts as it reminds us of the spiritual reality that we have ourselves received. And then as the visible church, as we partake of just bread and just just vine, nonetheless, we're reminded of a much better meal that has been given to us and an even better one prepared for us on the last day. And so as we think about the sacraments as from God to be observed until he comes, because we will be weak until he comes, but we are part of the church where he reminds us that he has set his name on us and to be remembered by us.